Feels good to be back in church, huh? I like to worship with a group. Makes a little bit of a difference. Pastor Wayne, do you need your device? <clears throat> this is what books look like now. <laughs> Just so you know, my dad was an accountant. He told me about 30 years ago that paper would be so expensive, 30, 35 years ago, that in the future, you'd be renting books on the computer. My dad was smart. But we have a dad in heaven who's even smarter than my dad was. Praise God. Anybody ever talk to little kids and have them boast about their dad? My dad, my dad's like Superman. So this morning, <clears throat> we are back in business here. Well, we haven't ever been out of business. We're back in our church building. Praise God. I'm so happy. It's a good thing. Let's uh, pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to love you and serve you because you first loved us. I pray this morning, God, for every ear to be attentive, to receive from your word this morning what you'd have them to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. The word of God, the Bible says, is like a seed. And uh, Paul writes to, uh, I believe it's the Corinthians, he says, if you'll plant it, one plants, one waters, but God makes it grow. So we've been uh, every year, we, uh, after our anniversary, we've been here in Marana for seven years. Every year, we go through a series on the culture of Living Hope Family Church, what we believe and why we believe it. Mainly, we believe it because it's in the book that God by his Holy Spirit, has put together for us. So we, first of all, we looked at we're saved by grace. We're people who walk by faith. We're people who worship God. We're people who are filled with the Spirit. We're people who pray. Today, we're going to look at we are a family. We are family. Praise God. And then uh, next week, Pastor Wayne will be preaching, we're generous, and two more after that, we're equipped, and we are empowered. Today, being Mission Sunday, how many has ever heard of William Carey? Nobody. William Carey, my wife has heard of William Carey, he's the father of modern missions. He was born in the 1700s, on May 31st, this very day, in the year 1792, they had a Baptist preacher's convention. He got to preach on the 30th, the 31st. They had their business meeting. And uh, he, the night before, he had preached passionately to these pastors, telling, we need to go to the foreign lands. We need to go win the heathen to Jesus. It's our responsibility the next day, May 31st, they didn't do anything. But business as usual. How many know the kingdom of God is never, ever business as usual? It's always going forward, always doing something. In Isaiah, it says of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, it will continue. The kingdom of God will continue and flourish and prosper and grow until the end of time as we know it. 
and then glory to God forever and ever and ever. We will be in his presence. Hallelujah. Something to look forward to. So William Carey and another gentleman named Andrew Fuller, they founded the Baptist Missionary Society. The next year, they raised enough money in 1793 to send William Carey and two other men to India. William Carey was not a very well-educated man. He didn't go to college. He studied on his own. By the end of his life, he never took a furlough, never came back for a vacation. He spent his entire life after he went to India. He stayed there, never came back. He translated the Bible into six languages. He learned about a dozen languages. He was able to translate parts of the Bible into 29 other languages. He established the first Christian college in Asia, schools for poor people, hallelujah, and all because he had a heart for God and the lost. So today, we want to honor him and other missionaries as today is Missionary Sunday. <clears throat> that was not part of my sermon on family, but <clears throat> we want to understand that God has birthed us into his kingdom. If you're born again, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you have entered into a family. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's hard to believe that it was only a year ago or so that I preached this sermon previously. I found something interesting on Zillow's uh, website. Zillow.com. We believe all people should live in a world where they feel value, they're supported, and they feel like they belong. So anywhere that Zillow is, they want you to know you can go to us to buy a house in the neighborhood that you want. It's all about you. But it's not. It's a, I think that's a worthwhile uh, uh, goal, you know, to feel value. Nobody wants to be thrown away. I believe everyone, no matter where they are in life, wants to feel some sort of value, wants to feel that they make a difference to somebody. In the, uh, the musical play, Oliver, Oliver runs away because he says, I want to be able to know that I mean something to somebody. I believe that's the desire of every soul on earth. They want to know, I mean something to somebody else. I'm valuable in somebody's eyes. There are orphans galore. Down in uh, uh, Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, there's slums where there's kids in India, in, in the Far East, in the Middle East, all over the world, there's kids that are, have no parents. And there are not very many countries that have social programs for all these, these individuals who are the cast-offs of society. That's where the church can step in. Can you say amen? Praise God. The first scripture, let's see if we can get this to work. <coughs> it's not working. Can you go to the first scripture, please? New commandment, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. 
And not just mushy, ushy, gushy, ooey, gooey love. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. That's how, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I was reading recently uh, in a disaster zone. I don't remember exactly which country it was. The people were amazed that, you know, the people of their same religion didn't come and help them. It was uh, um, not Uganda, Chad. No, Sudan, southern Sudan. They're having a civil war in Sudan. It split the country in half. And the people in the southern part of Sudan, a lot of them were Muslims. And they were attacked by other Muslims. And no Muslims came to help them. They were amazed that it was the Christians who came to help. And as a result, it opened the door for more people to get saved. More people wanted to know about this Jesus, about this love that you have for one another. So revival is breaking out in southern Sudan. There's other stories you can find about the same thing happening all over the world. The thing that sets the people apart as believers in Jesus is the love that they have for other people. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so this word in Greek is agapeo. Everybody's heard of agape love? There used to be a, a, a funny saying, I guess you would say, of uh, sloppy agape. What's this? Sloppy agape. Oh, everyone loves everyone. Well, we're supposed to love as Jesus loved. And Jesus loved, how do we know? Because he laid down his life for others. It's not just a matter of, you know, being, uh, uh, hugging everybody and say, oh, yeah, well, it takes some action, too. Can you say amen? So, <clears throat> compared to, anybody ever hear of the city of brotherly love? What's the name of it? Philadelphia. Praise God. That Greek word, phileo, is to be a friend to someone or have affection for someone. And it denotes personal attachment. It's a matter of sentiment or feeling. But you know, real love, Christian love, is not just a feeling. Ooh, I remember this one poor young man. <coughs> he hadn't been married long. His wife gave birth to a baby and then filed for divorce. So he tells me, she just she said she didn't love me anymore. What do you mean she didn't love you anymore? She didn't feel like she loved me anymore. Well, that's odd because my wife and I have been married for the next month. It'll be 34 years, and <clears throat> we love each other. It wasn't always that way. There was a lot of, in the beginning, when <laughs> we didn't have such a good relationship. There was friction. There was trouble. But God brought us through because we're committed to love one another, to love each other, and to stay. Yes, you're the one. God put you in my life. And put me in your life. Let's work it out. Praise God. Agape love embraces the judgment and the deliberate assent of the will as a matter of principle, duty, and propriety. How many know who Robbie Zacharias was? Just passed away recently. I remember listening to him on the radio. One time he's saying, he told his brother, uh, tell mom to... Uh, 
Call the uh, matchmaker in India and find me a wife. Find you a wife? What do you mean? He says, well, Ravi, his brother says, what, what, what if you don't love her? He says, I turned to my brother and I told him, I'm going to choose to love her. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to love her. So that's how you do it. Praise God. Not a matter of feeling, because your feelings will betray you. Remember Star Wars and Darth Vader's trying to get Luke to uh, betray his friends? Huh, Darth Vader says, your feelings betray you. Next thing you know, huh, he can read his mind. That's not the love that we're talking about. It's not feelings. <laughs> it's a decision. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, how do you become part of a family? Well, before you're born, you decide you get to, to check off to God. My birth certificate's supposed to say millionaire. <laughs> no, you don't have a choice where you're born, who your parents are. It, you just come out and there you are. But God, I don't want these parents. They're mean to me. <laughs> That doesn't work that way. When you're born into a family, that's where you are. Make the best of it. However, <clears throat> to be born into the kingdom of heaven, John chapter 3, verse 3, if you can turn to the next one. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, or let me tell you the truth, I say to you, Unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. It's born again. They get born again. He's talking to Nicodemus. How can you be born again? Can an old man go back in the mother's womb and come back out? No, 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 Jesus. I'm telling you spiritual things, Jesus tells him. Oh, no. It's not physical. It's spiritual. It's impossible <clears throat> to be born again physically. It's a spiritual thing. Praise God. <clears throat> the phrase born again also could be translated <clears throat> born from above. So it's something supernatural. It's not natural. In verse 5, Jesus tells him again, most assuredly, or I'm telling you the truth, unless one is <clears throat> excuse me, born of water and the Spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is a reference to uh, water baptism. It's not necessary to be baptized to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's a declaration that you are going to <coughs> serve God and live in the kingdom of heaven. Well, what happens when you're born again? According to Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary, you begin life anew in a relationship to God. Your manner of thinking, feeling, and acting with reference to spiritual things undergoes a fundamental and permanent resolution. Salvation is designed by God to be permanent. Once you get saved, God expects you to stay saved. God wants you to be saved and stay saved. That's God's plan. It does... <coughs> Actually, I don't know where I got this, but there's three births. Nobody ever knew that, huh? Oh, I just get born as a natural thing, 
and then you're born again. No, no, no. Guess what? The first birth resulted in fallen mankind. What am I talking about? Adam. That's the first birth. The second birth is when you are physically born, and the new birth is the third birth <coughs> in which you and I must be born again. Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, excuse me, unless you're born again. You must be born again. It's not optional if you want to get to heaven. <clears throat> and how do you know when you're born again? Because God changes you. If you could put the next scripture up, please. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 <clears throat> through 26, God says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new head and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. That's an amazing thing, that the spirit of God would actually take up residence inside of us. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's a list of people and the things they used to do, what they used to be like, and Paul writes, he says, such were some of you. If you know anything about the city of Corinth back then, it was like Las Vegas, only worse. Worse than Las Vegas. There was all kinds of stuff going on there. But he, Paul says, you all used to participate in that stuff, but you got changed. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, made holy, and set apart to service of God. You were justified, made innocent before God in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, It was not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration or the rebirth or renewing of our minds by the Holy Spirit. We were adopted in. Praise God. <clears throat> if you could put the next verse up. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. You and I did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. If you don't speak in tongues and you want uh, the gift that's called the glossolalia, start out by saying, Abba, Father, as you seek that. And see what God does, just as a side note. Want to look here, though, at adoption. <clears throat> Jesus said in John chapter 6, verses 45, and in verse 65, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up the last day. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. When you and I came to the place where we knew that we needed to get saved and we couldn't save ourselves, that was God drawing us to Jesus and pointing to the cross. When you understand 
that you're bankrupt and you cannot save yourself and you put your trust in Jesus, you become born again. Adoption, according to Vine's Expository Dictionary of Greek New Testament words, is a term involving the dignity of the relationship of believers as sons and daughters. It's a place and condition of a son or daughter given to one to whom it does not naturally belong. Adoption means Obviously, most of us know what adoption is. You are put legally into a family. And you now have, once you're adopted, rights and privileges in that family. In the state of Arizona, when you adopt a child, that adopted child has more rights of inheritance than your natural children. Look it up on the revised statutes. According to Life Bible College's uh, textbook, Foundations of Pentecostal Theology, it literally means placing us as a son. God addresses the same appeal to holiness and service to every Christian, regardless of the length of time he or she has been saved. So what that's saying is when you get born again and saved, <coughs> you immediately are empowered to be a soul winner. Tell other people about Jesus. You are immediately uh, placed into the uh, servanthood and sonship or daughtership of God Almighty. I read a book about a woman who uh, lived in the Middle East somewhere. Her dad was a high-ranking military official. Had a change of government. Dad no longer had favor. This woman had some medical issues. She went to the local hospital, was run by nuns. She had had a dream. She never heard of John the Baptist. But this woman had a dream of John the Baptist. And so she asked the nun about this. The nun gave her a Bible. And through the course of uh, the relationship with the nun, she said, well, the woman asked the nun, how do you pray? Well, you know, how do you do this? How do you get into this relationship, and the, the nun looked at her in the eye, and she said, just talk to God like he's your dad. And she immediately remembered, this woman immediately remembered, when she was a little girl, she could go into her dad's office, and no matter what was going on, no matter how busy he was, he would stop and give her his full, undivided attention. And that's how God is with you and I. Anytime, anywhere, any place, any condition, any problem, any happiness, any joy, anything at all, you and I can talk to God directly anytime. Hallelujah. And He will give us His full, undivided attention because God is so big. He can pay attention to everybody at the same time. He knows how many hairs are on our heads. That's how much He knows us. Hallelujah. That's how much attention God gives us as his children. Praise God. Anybody ever see the movie Ben-Hur? An old movie. Ben-Hur's a Jewish guy. <clears throat> he gets betrayed, sold into slavery. He's put in the bottom of one of those Roman galley ships. He's down there. The ship gets attacked. 
and only him, Ben-Hur, and the Roman general survive. There they are floating in the ocean on a piece of driftwood, and uh, the general asks him, how long have you been a galley slave? He said, three years. He said, how did you survive three years? Most galley slaves don't even live a year. He says, I survived because I want revenge. Just like uh, the princess bride Indigo is in the revenge business. So the Roman general looks at him and he says, that's amazing, spoken like a true Roman. They get rescued by another Roman ship and this Roman general adopts Ben-Hur. And eventually Ben-Hur takes his revenge. But eventually Ben-Hur understands that God is the one who vengeance is, belongs to him. And God gets involved in the whole thing. Praise God. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31 verse 3. God speaking through the prophet says, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. God's loving kindness and tender mercies, hallelujah, no matter what you're going through in life, think about that. God really, 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 really loves us. He's kind towards us. He's not mad at us. He's not wanting any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> so let's go to the next verse. Jesus answered and said to him, the Pharisees, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, you know, uh, uh, how come uh, we can divorce our wives? And uh, God tells them, Jesus tells them, because of the hardness of your hearts. <laughs> you know, Moses said it was okay. You can divorce your wife. Yes, just give her a piece of paper. But the reason he said is because you guys have hard hearts. How many know we're not supposed to have hard hearts? <laughs> we're not. And he says, because, and this, we believe about families, according to the Bible, this church, we believe a family is made up of a husband and a wife and kids, hopefully. Because of the hardness of the heart, Moses allowed you to do this. But from the beginning of creation, this is God's idea of family. God made them male and female, human beings. I hate to say this, but I have to say it. It's impossible for two men or two women to produce children. God's whole plan and purpose for families is to produce godly children. That's God's plan. And two men can't do it together, and two women can't do it together. Case closed. <clears throat> For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. That's the truth. And the two shall become one flesh. Hallelujah. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Unfortunately, divorces do happen. Go on, live for God. Because in Psalms chapter 68, verse 6, it says these words, God sets the solitary in families. I grew up in New York City. There's, what, 9 million people just in the city limits. And I had lots of acquaintances, <clears throat> but I didn't have very many close friends. And in the middle of all of those people before I got saved, I felt so lonely. I even had a large family, 10 brothers, Three sisters, cousins galore. I've got like a 
hundred cousins on each side of my family. I didn't even know them all. <clears throat> now they got kids. I don't know them. <laughs> but with all of those people, I still felt lonely inside. And I felt like I was solitary. But God has changed my life. Marriage. It's a picture of salvation. <clears throat> Just as an aside, uh, hopefully, husbands and wives, you have a favorite movie or something like that, and you have ways to diffuse tension. Uh, Kathy and I's favorite movie is The Princess Bride. The other famous movie that we like is Casablanca. Well, the Princess Bride, the old bishop standing there, talks about marriage and man and wife. And Prince Humperdinck tells him, just say man and wife. But she didn't say I do. So it wasn't really a marriage. So just as an aside, think of things like uh, we used to, <laughs> one line in The Princess Bride, Indigo and the man in black are sword fighting. He says, who are you? And he says, uh, uh, no one of consequence. He says, I must know. And the man in black tells him, get used to disappointment. <laughs> we used to say that to each other, but we don't say that anymore. <laughs> That's a bad line. That's not something. You don't want to get used to disappointment. You want to know we love each other. Praise God. Hallelujah. God tells us through the Holy Spirit inspired writings of Paul the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Go to the next one. <clears throat> tells us how to love. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So you put self-interest aside and put the interest of the other ahead. St. John Chrysostom lived around 345 to 407 AD. He was the uh, early Greek church father, patriarch of Constantinople, and he wrote these words, have a solicitude for your wife as Christ has for the church. And if necessary, to give your life for her. They had some rough times in the early church. It was illegal to be a Christian. You could be put to death for being a Christian because it was treason against the state because there was another king who demanded that you worship him. His name was Caesar. And so, being a Christian... Back then, put yourself at risk of being killed. So be ready to give your life for her or to be cut in 10,000 pieces or to endure any other suffering whatsoever. Do not refuse it. And if you suffer thusly, <clears throat> not even so, do you do what Christ did for us. For you, if you're already married and you do it for her, that's great. But Jesus suffered for us when we treated him with hatred and disdain and we were distant from him, the Bible says when we were yet enemies of Christ, Christ died for us. Most of us didn't even know we were enemies, but we were. Without accepting Jesus as your Savior, you're the enemy of Christ. So also, 
Treat your wife with much thoughtfulness, <coughs> love, and kindness. Next scripture is Romans chapter 12. Oops. There it is. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. <clears throat> Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with a brotherly love and honor. And this is the key, <clears throat> giving preference to one another. It means, literally, to take the lead in showing deference to one another. One of the ways uh, I noticed in my own life, when you're driving and, uh, you know, people, when they get behind the wheel, for some reason, they become rude, very, very rude. So you, as you're driving, give them a little courtesy, benefit of the doubt. A lot of times, <laughs> as a matter of fact, this morning, I'm on Grant Road, in the turning lane to go under the freeway to get on. And on the other side, this vehicle starts coming out into the intersection. And I looked at, what are you doing? <laughs> so I slowed down and looked at him and then drove. And in my rearview mirror, I saw behind me, the guy kept inching forward, and the car behind me had to swing out of his lane to get around. I don't know what the person was thinking. Why would they do that? But there's other times, you can almost see it. They're in that lane. And you're in this lane. You're going to make a left turn. All of a sudden, they figure, oh, I'm supposed to be over there. And if they put their signal on, yes. But sometimes they don't even do that. So you have to drive courteously. But this also applies in other areas of life. How about when you're in the grocery store and you walk up to get in line and someone cuts in front of you? So, no, 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 go ahead. You only got a couple of things you can show deference. You can show preference to other people. And you might even get a chance to tell them about Jesus. Just go ahead. You're okay. Anybody have any of those little cards back there from the counter with our church name on it? Hey, I'd like to invite you to church. Come and hear about Jesus. Oh, what church is it? Now we have a website and everything. <coughs> Praise God. We want to be able to win souls. We want people to know that there is a God that loves them and that that God is using us to reach out to them. We're not called to get into arguments with people. We're called just simply to tell them God loves you. I'll never forget the first time someone ever told me that. Walking down the street, minding my own business. This guy stops me. He says, hey, there's a Bible under his arm. Anybody ever tell you God loves you? And I thought to myself, <clears throat> um, no, not really, but God can't love me because I'm uh, <clears throat> in my, I was in my 20s, I guess, early 20s. And uh, I thought, well, I've already done a lot of bad stuff, you know. God couldn't love me. I'm sure God's just waiting up there with a big baseball bat. Because I remember reading that verse, the wages of sin is death. So, oh, my God, the wages of sin is death. I know I'm a sinner. The wages of sin is death. The 
wages of sin is death. Anybody ever read The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan? It's written way back in the, I don't know, 1700s. <clears throat> it's been made into a movie every so often. It would be good for you and I. It was the second best-selling book in the English language besides the Bible. It's a story of a man who understands the wages of sin is death. And it's his adventure on how to get to heaven. He goes through all kinds of experiences, and that's where I was. The wages of sin is death. And he finally comes to the cross, and he understands that Jesus paid the price. And that's the free gift that brings us into the family of God. So if you're here this morning, you're listening, and you're not born again, you haven't been birthed into the kingdom of God. This is your opportunity. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. No one's looking around. <clears throat> you're here this morning or you're listening online and you haven't received Jesus as your Savior. You've come to the place where you understand the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you want to receive that gift you have to receive it. It's just not automatic. And on Christmas and your birthdays, you get a gift. You have to open the wrapping to receive it, to open it up and see what's inside. And that's what it's kind of like when you receive Jesus. Oh, God, if you know that you need to get saved this morning and you're, you know you're not saved, you've never given your life to Jesus, you never accepted or acknowledged that you're a sinner before God, and understood that it's your sin that put Jesus on the cross. But you understand that now. And you want to receive salvation. You want to receive Jesus. You just signify that with an uplifted hand. Just lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. I need salvation. Man, woman, or child, young or old, it doesn't matter. Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, he was an older man already when he told him, you must be born again. Praise God. With that, let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be more than happy to pray for you. Uh, my wife will come up and help us. Hallelujah. <coughs> Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for birthing us and adopting us into your family, into your kingdom. Pray this morning, God, as we go forward, God, <coughs> guide and direct our steps. Thank you that your ears are open to our prayers that you listen to us every time, and that your answers are already on the way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God.